should be good. Okay. Okay. Recording the right thing. <laughs> Double checking. Skype. Record. Record. Okay. Oh, I know I can't hear anybody. I've got me down low. Oh. I was trying to get to the staff room to get to the page. Nothing like finishing my, my reread the minute I sit down up here. Oh, I've had base, um, had an impromptu baseball thing, so that's what I've read during his, well, freezing outside. Fun. It was gorgeous today. It was so nice. We had sun after a weekend of nasty rain. I'm sorry, Trisha. I know. Good night, Albert. What do you know? I know that it's, that's hard when, uh, you guys are having terrible weather and we actually are having nice weather. It's not terrible. It's just cold. Mm. As long as the S word doesn't show up, I'm happy. Okay. That works for me. We won't say that. Yeah, we had some of that last weekend. Um, hopefully it's well, all gone now and we'll come back again, but you know, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. I'm hearing a lot of static now. Yeah, Scott's got static going. Uh-huh. Weird. Well, let me see what it's doing on its audio setting thing above. <laughs> I love it when he makes funky noises like that. Maybe I will. I'm propping up my camera on so it's closer to my mouth. There we go. There we go. I don't know if it made a difference or not, but sounds better. You sound better. Alrighty. I mean, there's still a, there's still a sh- but it's a constant and it's not real like loud and obnoxious. So it's okay. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. I probably need to get a better microphone in general, but huh. one of these I keep days, and then they wear out. They do do that wear out. So, oh, here's a story about micro. Well, headsets. Mister <laughs> came for dinner last night, and he and mom took Bonnie for a walk. And mm-hmm. when he came in the door, he had on this new headset, like noise canceling ear. I mean, it wasn't earbuds; it was full on headphones. Okay. And, you know, I was like, oh, those are cool. That's nice. But, you know, whatever. So, turns out, he decided to ride his skateboard down the hill with those on his ears. Oh, jeez. He just barely got missed by a car who slammed on their brakes, called him a stupid kid. But when he came back, I gave him the, you know, lecture. Poor mom had no idea he had them on. She felt terrible for letting him do it. It was like, well, you didn't know. So, um... You know, I said, you have to promise me you'll never do this again. This is so not safe. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, I'm serious. You need to promise me that you will never ride with those earphones on, especially on a hill on twists and turns where people, where you're in the middle of the street and people can't see you. You have to be able to hear. Yes, Hansu, I promise. I'm like, you're not, no, you're just saying that to make me happy. I'm not happy. I'm dead serious. If I see you riding your bike or your skateboard with those headphones on, I will hit you with my car. And then I will get out, and I will beat you up, and I will take those headphones away from you, and I will beat you with them. And he just looked at me, and I said, and Grandma will hold you down. And Grandma's like, yeah, I will. And I said, this is how serious I am. You will never do this again. So I'm sure he thinks I'm absolutely insane. But he could have been killed so easily. Oh, yeah. That's why I don't don't run with um, headphones. Because yeah. I can't hear people. It scares the crap out of me. I mean, it doesn't help that I'm practically deaf as it is without them. Mm-hmm. So someone's like, how can you run without any headphones? I'm like, oh, believe me. It's, but I'd rather hear a car than, than not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said, you know, you could just do one. Put one in one ear and leave the other ear free. That's how I do it when I drive. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he thought I was nuts. I was like, no, I'm serious. <laughs> you will not do this again. Yes, that's true. That's more like I'll never tell you anything again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it. 
Anybody do anything fun besides kids getting run over by cars? Mm. Went to a baseball game. I saw. Your kiddo looked very happy. No, oh, yeah, he was very happy. I was miserable, but... Oh, <laughs> uh, that's too bad. I just, I just didn't want to go. It, I mean, it sounds awful to say. I was hoping my dad would... My dad bought the tickets because he, um... Excuse me, donated blood. So he gave me the tickets. And I thought, oh, Ulrich would love it because they're playing the, the Braves and he's... Uh, my sister-in-law has brainwashed him to like the Braves. So... Mm-hmm. And it was a Braves game and stuff like that. And my dad's like, oh, I'm not coming down. Well, I had to take it, which is fine. But I already had plans. I had to do, I had to do laundry. I had kids every this weekend, every the weekend. So my house was completely trashed. And I haven't been able to see people and visit and, and, and stuff like that. And I'm just like, plus, I'm sorry, Scott, I'm PMSing. And so I was just not a happy camper. Mm-hmm. But we did have a good time. So, that, I mean, that's all that really matters. But I was just, just wasn't prepared for it. Right. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes it's good. We went to a play. We, we supported the arts. Yeah, yes. Um, oh, yeah? Thoroughly, I've been calling it totally until I actually got to the thing and found out I was saying it wrong. Thoroughly modern, modern Millie was at the okay, local high yeah. school. And we went, oh. who knew we had talented kids around here? They're pretty good. Oh, good. Yeah, it was fun. Remind me about ne- um, probably, probably next Monday, I'll ha- I might have interesting stories for you then. That frightens me. Oh, it's going to be hysterical. <laughs> I, am going to, I am going to drag queen bingo. <laughs> Are you dressing up? I am. Mm-hmm. Ark wanted to know about it because I had to explain to him what drag queen was. Right. And, well, he couldn't go with me because he likes bingo. And so I explained it to him, and he's like, oh, okay. And I go, they have a AIDS rule. He's like, okay. And he's like, who's going with you? I'm like, well, Christian, my friend Susan, her partner Pam, and um, a friend of Christian's and his wife. And Ark looks at Christian and goes, are you going to wear a skirt? <laughs> Christian's like, no. And Howard looks at me and goes, Mom, you should wear a tux. <laughs> You'd look cute in a tux. Oh, he was just, I mean, he just, he just had such a, he just thought it was just the grandest idea in the world. And just the look on Christian's face is like, I can't believe you're going to make me go to this. <laughs> If you can, if you get Christian into a skirt, I want pictures. I doubt I'll ever get him into a skirt. <laughs> but if I can't, I, I will take pictures. <laughs> and they will be up on the internet <laughs> for all his um, fire buddies to see. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> uh, nothing like that happened in our play, although I did get to dress up as an old man. But. That's fun. Yeah, that was our last, our last night was Saturday, so we're finished the run of 9 to 5 now. Uh-huh. I knew that it was up this weekend. I was going to ask you about it. Yeah. So we went and did our cast party and everything afterwards, and I didn't get home until um, 20 after 4, and there, there was a lot of sleeping on Sunday. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> That's a late party. Mm-hmm. Well, the play itself. Um, ends probably around 11, and then the the director and the people at the theater brought in Chinese food, so we had Chinese food and things after at that point, and then 
about midnight, we went over to the one uh, main actress's house, and we sort of had a house party. And I was probably, well, I guess her boyfriend also doesn't drink, so I was the second of two people who weren't drinking. But um, we played Pictionary and something called Catchphrase and mm-hmm. things like that. So that was sounds like fun. pretty fun. I could have gone home an hour earlier, but I was waiting for somebody to be sober enough to drive me, so. <laughs> well, that's good you waited until they were sober enough to drive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very smart thinking. Yes. Yes. Only the one girl who uh, works at the station with me really got particularly drunk, because I guess it only takes, like, one or two drinks for her. And um, halfway through, she was the... the girl whose place it was was trying to, you know, get her to drink water and have some of the snacks. Was, no, I don't want water. She's getting another drink because that's the good stuff. None of it's water. None of that water business water. Yeah. So she had someone else pour her a drink and she had to watch to see put enough rum in the Coke. No, don't just fill it up with Coke. I want the rum. <laughs> <laughs> She was a very determined uh, for most of the night. Everything got very loud when she was in the room. And I bet. She went off to the bathroom at one point, and everyone else was like, it's quiet. That <laughs> 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 uh, was fun. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I think that's one of the reasons that I'm very careful about drinking. I, I'm afraid that I could get crazy, and I don't want to. Yeah. So I stick with one, and, and I pretty much only do it if I'm either not driving or at home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did actually have a rum and coke at the theater because they give us a free drink after every show. So far, I've just been having, you know, ginger ale or 7-Up or whatever. But it, since it was the last night, I thought I'd try it. But I don't know. It just still isn't very tasty. Mm-hmm. I could probably use, like, maybe half a shot or something, and then fill up the entire glass with something else, and it would be all right. But. <laughs> yeah, I like that with when I make the mojitos. I, oh, yeah. I just as soon eat, you know, drink the virgin ones. But every once in a while, I go for the rum. And, but I, you know, if it tastes too much like rum, then it, that ruins the drink for me. It just has to have a little bit, and it's got to mm-hmm. taste like the mojito. Why is yeah. the rum always gone? Why is well, I don't know. I'm not drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I was just thinking of um, what, whatever the damn thing. Yeah, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, my mumble was gone. Well, Jack, that would be your fault. <laughs> yeah. Because you're always drinking it. Yeah. Silly boy. Yeah. Oh, well, it was fun. I'm glad I went anyway. Mm-hmm. I was tired on Sunday, but it happens. You had a day to recoup, so mm-hmm. that works. Cool. So what's the next play up? Do you know? I'm not sure. Um, well, the, uh, the other, the other company in town is currently doing, uh, Calendar Girls. Mm. Um, and then the next one after that is Cinderella, which should be fun. It's that a, would be fun. It's an interesting version of it because it's, uh, from the first 25 pages of the script that I found online when I wasn't sure if I was going to audition for that one or not. Uh, it's apparently narrated by two old women from Louisiana who are trying to tell you the story of Cinderella. And so, and they, they call them Thelma and Louise, or if you, if you, um, 
if you can't cast a man and a woman, it's Bonnie and Clyde. And, um, <laughs> and one of them is, you know, telling you the story, but every now and then she goes off on a tangent and wants to talk about, you know, that reminds her of something oh. with the alligators and whatever else. And the other one has to say, they don't want to hear about your alligators. Get back to the story. Sounds like us. So it should be fun. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. <laughs> But there was no way I was going to be going and auditioning for that while also having rehearsals for this one, so I didn't. Mm-hmm. And but it'll be fun to go see. Yeah. And then I think that's sort of the end of the theater seasons. They've got some before our shows all the time. They were talking about the things that were coming into this theater we were working with, and they have some plans for a jazz night in June and things like that. But uh, most of the plays are over now until probably September or so. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the actors want to go on vacation too. So. I talked to my cousin who's been doing different shows and she said that it's been really hard because she likes to do one and then take a little time off and the people that she works with, they just want to go, go, go. And they're like, come on, you need to do this one too. And she's like, no, I've done three in a row. It's time to take a break. So she's taking a break. <laughs> Yeah, me too. It was fun. It'll be nice to not have to go out for a week or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe I'll get started on some audio stuff. Who knows? Well, you know, if you get a burning desire to edit, I got some box. <laughs> I'm sure there are always, yeah, podcasts available. <laughs> well, Ryan. Did you say you have some vomit you box. can edit? Vox. Oh. Vox has vomit oh. in it though. There, you're in the, you're not in the first two episodes and there's vomit and we talk oh. about you or, or, or maybe it's in the last two of the time ones. Some, something happens and there's vomit. I, I remember that. Oh, that is a good story then. I know. Death Row said he no longer writes that people throw up. They have to vomit because of you. <laughs> vomit. Yeah. Or purge. The, the purge their inner, inner. Oh, I, um, I run with a, well, I run with, um, a critical care nurse and a practical, um, not practical nurse. Oh, what is it called? Physician assistant. Mm-hmm. And it, of course, we always get into some kind of weird medical thing while we run. Usually we talk about poop. Don't ask why. But we were talking about vomit and um, diarrhea. And they were saying at this one class that they had, the nurse couldn't, she was the only nurse in the whole entire family, and she couldn't talk about um, vomit and diarrhea because they just made them, made everybody gross out. So they always called it fast forward and reverse. <laughs> Dear. So you know what fast forward is, right? Well, fast, mm-hmm. yeah, I think so. That would be diarrhea, and reverse is vomit. Because it's coming back up. Yeah. It took me a while to figure that one out. I don't know why. But. Not fun. As long as she doesn't uh, get confused with someone trying to talk about cassette tapes or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. I never thought of that. I was pulling kids out of the classroom today because I did the bus run, which I will be doing on Monday nights until the end of school, so through May. And... um one of the kids was playing with the cassette tape and, you know, trying to pull the tape out. I'm like, no, 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 let's go. Put that down. They just look at me. I'm like, what? I'm not doing nothing. I'm like, yeah, I see you pulling, pulling tape out of there. Not okay. Uh-huh. Devil children. Oh, no. 
They're sweet. Sure. Uh -huh. I have one of my own. I know what it is. Mm -hmm. Calvin asked me yesterday at dinner how, how often we talk, I talked about him on the podcast. Oh, I said all the time. <laughs> Do you say mean things about me? No, not at all. No. None. None. We can turn out. That's all. Yeah. Well, today is Earth Day. Happy Earth Day. Happy Earth Day. Mm -hmm. I threw away plastic. <laughs> That's good. We had Earth Day cakes for breakfast this morning, which were yummy. Oh, nice. And what are Earth Day cakes specifically? It's flour, you know, with baking powder and all that stuff in it, and wheat germ and oil and honey, lots of honey and an egg, and you mix that up, and then you kind of form it into a, not really a ball, but more of an oval shape. And you roll it in wheat germ, a little bit of flour, and brown sugar to kind of coat the outside. And then you just you put them touching in a pan. And you bake them until basically they dry out. So it takes about 20 minutes. And they're good. They're just real simple little birthday cakes. I don't know. Mom made them this morning, so I don't quite know what all was in them. But we had Did the kids a, fall asleep? No, my kids don't sleep. Okay, then, then there, wasn't, there wasn't any but under all that. No, no better. I didn't feed it to the kids. I, I took it in and gave it to the teachers. Oh, <laughs> I gave okay. them a hit of sugar before the day started. Okay. So, no, no Benadryl. Good idea, though. Mm -hmm. I had a friend who's a director of its school, and she was at a conference, and she was talking to other new teachers about different things, and somebody asked her how she got kids to go to sleep at nap, and she, very tongue-in-cheek, said, Oh, well, you, you drug them, you know, you give them something in their milk before at lunchtime. And everybody laughed and knew it was just a funny, and then she went on to tell them what she really did. Afterwards, somebody came up to her dead serious and said, Now, where do I get the stuff that you use to drug them? <laughs> My friend had to say, No, that was a joke. You don't drug them. That's not allowed. And about a month later, somebody got caught doing that. They were putting Benadryl in the kid's milk or something in the kid's milk before nap time. Oh, my God. Oh, dear. I, yeah. I don't think it was the same person, but I, I know that somebody got caught doing that. Not okay for the preschool. Parents, maybe, every once in a while can do it, but not okay for preschool. <laughs> no. So. I don't even try to do that. I try not to do that. I haven't done that in a really, really long time. <laughs> well, sometimes they just need, you know, they need it. So. Oh, yeah. And then you just go, yay, they need it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I think, when, when did I do that for Oh, it was when he, he was teething and was not sleeping whatsoever, and you could not, I couldn't do anything. I mean, yes, the uh, oral gel helped and stuff like that, but only for a certain bit, and then it started teething good. I'm like, okay, Benadryl, Benadryl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, and they look at you like, you know, this hurts, stop it, and for the first time, and, you know, you can't really stop it. There's nothing you can really do, so... Yeah, especially I remember when his one molar was coming in, and you could just see the skin. It was across the molar. And you were like, oh, you're like, if I could just, if I knew how to do it, you would, like, just want to take a little exacto knife and just go like that and just, like, it just hurts for a little bit, but it's going to be gone. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. that. That that would freak me out more than anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose we should start since it's getting late. Okay. We you mean you actually want to podcast about the fic? Oh, I know, I know. Fucking game's on. <laughs> it was a, a very long one. Oops, let's see. Are you still recording? Two hours and ten minutes on my 
text reader, so we should be able to whip through this dude. Yeah, Absolutely. I almost, I almost finished it. I'm a, I read it all yesterday Wait. after I woke up. <laughs> no, that's good. This morning I got up and I thought, I should reread this story, because I read it last week, but I, you know, for today, so I found it, plugged it in, and listened to it. Oh, that's good. During my day, which is nice. For Friday, February 21st, this is episode 182. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. Hey, Ron. The next time. Yeah. Previously on Pontific Weekly. Where would you like to start, Sue? <laughs> well, let's start at the beginning. That would be awesome. My resolutions for this Pontific Weekly season is not to snort. Welcome to Potterfic whatever. Oh, Scott. Did we, did we lose Scott? Okay, what did I miss? Am My I surrounded by Hufflepuffs? You yes, are. you are. Yes, you are. Apparently, I'm Jen, and I don't know my outfit. No, she's the poster child for our podcast. <laughs> Shit. I snort. I think I need more meds. My meds have kicked in, I can tell. Sure. <laughs> I think that's two. That could possibly be three. Moving right along. I felt like a rock star. Just really big knickers. Pants are your underpants, not oh. trousers. Waterpick Weekly, defining strange terms for your edification. <laughs> but I was planning on getting grammar to time soon. Really, honestly. <laughs> Saxon Snorkax, two of my favorite subjects. I love Snape. You are quite possibly clinically insane. In the nicest sense of the word, of course. <laughs> we'll always laugh before the end. Father, think we please where the story never ends. Welcome to Potter Weekly, everyone. I'm Scott. I'm Sue. I'm Trisha. And tonight we are covering. Chapters 19 through 24 of A Better Man by Valandar, or however we stress the name. We still haven't quite figured that out. That's one of our questions we'll have to ask, as usual. Mm-hmm. But, and chapter 19 is the first chapter with its own title, yeah. Dawn of War, because oh, as it God. says in the author's notes, the timeline has gone completely off-canon at this point, so they're no longer borrowing titles from the books. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Sorry, I was getting. I was. I was going to start poking my eye out with a spoon. So I had to rehash the books. I'm like, if I want to rehash the books, I'll read the damn books again. Yeah, but they were completely rehashed. They, yeah, no, they weren't. I mean, they were doing those slight fixes and stuff like that. Yeah, but it, I was just. I'm. I'm glad that she's making. Or she making the. Now it seems like I understand they had to build up the the background. So, okay, out of the background builds up. Right. Yeah, because it, it wouldn't really work if they tried to start the story here and say, oh, by the way, the Dursleys have been nice all this time. Uh, yeah. You'd just be, wait, what? How does this, is, I'm confused. Right. So. It doesn't say if it's a woman or a man, so we'll go with her until we learn different. Valander is a man. We apologize for all the she-her references. <laughs> so we start this chapter with Harry having a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And he wakes up 
we don't get to see what his nightmare is, unlike in canon Goblet of Fire. Um, but he's woke, woken up, and Uncle Vernon comes in to see what all the yelling is about. Mm-hmm. This is great, because he, you know, checks in on him. I thought I heard you yelling. It's just another nightmare. And he's like, you know, this is the fourth one or something this week. You're starting to lo- lose sleep. That's not good for you. Or he's like, I'm 14, not 8, Uncle Vernon. And Vernon looks at the clock and says, actually, you're wrong. You've been 15 for an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wishes him a happy birthday. So that's kind of a nod back to canon, because... At one point, isn't Harry, like, doesn't he wake up at some point and look at the clock and go, oh, I've been a year older for a whole hour, something like that. Yeah. I think I he think, did that homework. Yeah, I think he might have had a nightmare as well. Like, I, rem- I don't know if it was right at the very beginning, but I remember in the early chapters of Order of the Phoenix, Dudley making fun of him for uh, mooning over Cedric in his sleep. Who's Cedric, your boyfriend? So she wakes up again and um, heads downstairs, and a whole bunch of people yell, Surprise! Surprise! He's sort of surprised, because he expected about half of them to be there, but then there's a bunch of other people from school that he wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. Like, shot and bones! Mm-hmm. And Hannah and Larry, too. Is it what? Isn't she supposed to be like the... Wasn't she like the big Mary Sue for a long time? Maybe. Harry always, uh, Harry always was like, but out Susan Bones. Yeah, sometimes. They save Hannah pretty much for Neville nowadays. Yeah. So. Well, once Hannah came out, they sort of went with that. Mm-hmm. But um, I've seen it in a few picks. I don't know if it was really common and I just missed it or what. But um, I know some people um, remark on her a little bit more because she was played by Chris Columbus's daughter in the film. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why she's a redhead in fix, because I don't think she was ever described um, before the films particularly. And there's the whole weird thing where she seems to be getting sorted into Gryffindor or wearing a Gryffindor tie in some of the pictures and then never shows up again. Um. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Harry kind of checks in with Ginny, and Ginny gives him a slight nod so that he knows that his plans are still in place because they're planning on having a meeting later. And so the fledgling Order of the Golden Light has their first meeting without Pavardi or Victor Crumb because they're on holiday and uh, are getting more than close. And And apparently everyone except Harry himself has agreed that he should be the president. Right. Which he's not so sure that he should be. But, yeah, he doesn't have a whole lot of choice in the matter. Yeah. I mean, who else are they going to pick? Right. Really? Yeah, we all knew it was going to be him. He should have known it was going to be him, too, but whatever. <laughs> he, he, he's a little dumb these ways. And mm-hmm. then they have to decide if they're going to talk to Grandpa Albus first or ask the others to join. And they decide that Albus, we're going to start with him. And as Harry heads downstairs, he overhears Uncle Vernon and Petunia talking because they're having to, quote, tighten their belts again. Because they're just, you know, he's not working and they don't have a whole lot of money coming in. Yeah, and, and, and then the big head is, they tighten, tighten them until fall. I mean, so, what do you expect? He quit his job. I don't know, does, does, the, does the English have unemployment? 
I well, they have something because of what Joe was on when she wrote the first book. Yeah, that's that's true. I you know they I, must they have yeah, something. But the thing, yeah, but the thing is, he quit his job, and it's different than being let go. Mm-hmm. And so, well, at least in here, what is supposed to happen if you quit your job, you don't get unemployment. But But it depends. Like, I have a friend, I just found out that a friend of mine quit her job because she has, you know, a fairly young child, and she was away from the child like 11 hours a day to work at her job. And, you know, he's like not even a year old yet. And she's like, I can't do this. And she's getting unemployment. So Mm -hmm. I think it depends on the circumstances. It also depends on the lawyer, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting we're talking about that, though. I was just... um, just the other day, I was reading the beginnings of a comic that's mostly about a girl who's a knitter, but it starts out with um, two two or three comics in, I think she gets um, fired from her job because they're downsizing or something like that, and she has the whole big scene about it and says, you can't fire me, I quit! Mm-hmm. And then the last, the last panel is her standing there the next day. So I just found out that you can't actually get unemployment if you quit. So uh, could you please fire me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. And uh, unemployment's important mm-hmm. for a lot of people. So. so it's... At any rate, Harry does overhear this <laughs> and he's trying, <laughs> Boy, kind of trying to... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's trying to decide what to do, and he's thinking about, you know, should he just not let on he's heard, and then decides, no, he's going to be straightforward about it, and comes in and says, uh, what new job are you talking about, and why do we have to tighten our belt? And he says, I don't care if you're embarrassed, you've taken care of me for most of my life, I have lots of money, um, here's what I'm going to do. He calls Dobby and says, I'm going to buy the groceries from now on, and we'll do it from... He tries to think of a figure that won't make Uncle Vernon too embarrassed about the whole thing. He says, okay, so 10% of the interest and touch from what I have right now, that's your budget for buying groceries every week. And Dobby says, sure, and heads off to go shopping. And um, Vernon seems to be generally okay with that. He does say one more time, well, you know, you don't have to do this. And Harry says, I have to eat, you know, so might as well. Mm-hmm. And Dumbledore is standing behind him and apparently has worked out that they want to speak with him because he's Dumbledore. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And so they, they take, he, he takes Dumbledore up to the meeting and asks him to seal all the doors and so they he imperturbables everything, including the closet, which I loved. And Hermione mm-hmm. says, we know about the Horcruxes. Voldemort. And Tumblr's like, uh... Plural? Plural? Wait a minute. And they mm-hmm. explain that, you know, they knew the diary was one, and he still came back, so there has to be more than one, but they don't know how many. And... Yeah. And Ron says, so that's why we formed Ogle. Yeah. Tumblr's Ogle? What? Hmm? O-G-L. Of the golden light. Like I said, ogle. It's, yeah, it's totally spew all over again. I know, mm-hmm. but the other thing is, I don't know why, I wish she came up with a better name, but it just sounds so corny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the Order of the Phoenix, that sounds awesome. That sounds, that just sounds cool. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. 
I've seen a it's number a of things where somebody does come up with a better name for Hermione's group, or the, the House Elf Liberation Front or something. <laughs> yeah, well, it's better so you're than not the Golden alone. Egg. This, this group is mm-hmm. sure. better name than the Golden yeah. Egg, anyhow. Yeah. So and we've got, you know, Fleur. We find out Fleur's taking lessons from Bill. Mm-hmm. She and she knows how to say all of your names for when you must be scolded. Ronald Billy as Weasley. Hey, you said my name right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the first things Bill taught her, apparently. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you got to know those things. That's that's good. We yeah. <laughs> taking us slightly off tangent. That's how I find out preschoolers' middle names sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah. What does your mom or dad call you when they're mad at you? And then usually you can find out their middle names. Every once in a while, it'll backfire on you, and you know you'll find out that they call them bad words instead, which never is good. But. Mm-hmm. I was just watching the Bill Cosby clip about that um, on Sunday. <laughs> that's, one of my, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Until I was six years old, oh, I thought yeah. my name was Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> my brother thought his name was David. And because of my father, between the ages of 7 through 15, I thought my name was Jesus Christ. <laughs> the Jesus Christ! And my brother Russell thought his name was Dammit. <laughs> Dammit, will you stop all that noise? And Jesus Christ, sit down! <laughs> so one day I'm out playing in the rain. My father said, Dammit, will you get in here? I said, Dad, I'm Jesus Christ! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, no, Josh. My name is Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's still one of my favorites. Yeah, we will have to pull that one. So, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> they're uh, talking, and all of a sudden, we have this knock on the door, and it's Dobby, and. He, you know, I'm back from shopping and I'm wondering if you want something to eat. And Harry says, just cheese sandwiches. And yeah, everybody's like, okay, that's fine. And so he goes to make the cheese sandwiches and Dumbledore kind of ends the meeting and pretty much tells them that it's okay if they have it and that it could be a study group at school. So it can be as big as they want, but the teachers can't tell them who to put in it if it's a study group. And if the... Students that have already graduated are coming back to tutor, tutor, wow, old students, then that's okay too. And so that's how they get around all of yeah. this. And of course, and of course, okay. Fleur has to bring that was, to the babysitting, you know. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> that's how, that's how I, I was so missing. I, I guess I was reading it too fast or something like that, but I'm like, wait a minute, how the older students get in here? What's the old tutor? I, I was just, yeah, like I said, I was reading it way too fast and I couldn't mm-hmm. get it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and Dumbledore also wants to keep them as separate as possible from what the Order of the Phoenix is doing, even though he is planning to start that back up again. They'll be sort of the the active arm trying to directly stop whatever the Death Eaters are doing and protect important places and such, and the Order of the Golden Light will be there to research things and look at the wider view and figure out what's going on and what the strategy should be and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. And so he heads off, and Ginny's like, wow, he's taking us seriously. And Harry goes, well, he knows me too well. And, and Fleur's like, what do you mean? And he says, he knows that if he tells me no, I'm going to do it behind his back anyway. So this way, at least he knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, That's true. 
<laughs> we have Dobby come in, pop with the sandwiches, and Jerry takes a bite out of this cheese sandwich, you know, nothing major, just cheese sandwiches, Dobby, it's cool. And he takes this bite, and, and it just explodes in his mouth, and he's like, uh, Dobby, what's on this sandwich? And Dobby's like, prosciutto and buffalo milk mozzarella with a hint of balsamic vinegar and sliced fresh tomato on newly baked sourdough bread. Why? Is it not good enough? And everybody's just like, this is the best sandwich I've ever eaten. And I'm looking and at this, the only thing that would make this better is a little bit of fresh basil, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. No, yeah. no, okay. No kid at 15 can eat like that. Oh, maybe. But yeah, I and it yeah, the buff for people who don't know, the buffalo milk mozzarella is like the top top end mozzarella you can get from. Um, I think it's made in France, and it's mm-hmm. the the original mozzarella is made from buffalo milk, and it's supposed to be softer. And um, I don't remember what the other differences are, but it's apparently much better than our regular cow milk mozzarella. I've never had any, so I can't really tell you, but, yeah. Yeah, neither have I. When you're trying to make fancy is, things, that's what they recommend. Uh, okay. <laughs> but this is when we find out Harry's very, 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 very rich. Yeah, I love it. Dobby, yeah. I thought I told you 10%. I tried, Mr. Master Harry, I tried, but I could only do 3%. <laughs> Harry's like, for a week? No, for a whole month. Should I punish myself? <laughs> like, no! <laughs> so, how much, money, how much money is that exactly? Uh, 40,000 pounds in yeah. interest a, a week. week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, yeah. uh, Dobby, next time you go shopping, how about a half percent? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and take the two apparently in. making... Almost five million pounds a year. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're used behind the Malfoys by a bit, but when you come into your majority, you're going to be way ahead of them. Yay! <laughs> yep. Yeah, take it for your oh. next time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she can tell you what we usually get. Yeah. So. And I think we'd each like a glass of uh, ordinary cow's milk. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you don't know what you need to get otherwise. <sighs> yeah. yeah makes me want to go have a mozzarella sandwich, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So. Good stuff. Sorry, when I think of cheese sandwich, I think of mayonnaise and, mayonnaise and like American cheese. Not <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, that's just disgusting. This This would be... Oh, that would be delightful. Such, uh, yeah, this would be really, really good. A little balsamic vinegar. Mm, yeah. Uh, My yeah, taste buds are good. singing on just looking at it. Mm-hmm. Who knew you could get good recipes by reading text? Really? Yeah, so Harry's trying to figure out what to do with some of this money. So he's decided he's going to fully fund this operation, which means that they're going to have to have more than just a president. And, of course, Hermione knows. Robert's rules of order. we got to have president, vice president, secretary, treasurer, and sergeant in arms. So they're going to have another vote. Yeah. yeah. We'll let, let the other two know by owl, and the next time they get together, they'll figure that out. So maybe the 15th. And then let's go play Quidditch. Mm-hmm. And on to Chapter 20. It's called... Yeah. Ow. And... And apparently there are visitors. Mm-hmm. Some time later, he's been getting letters from everybody, and they've 
selected most of the officers. Yeah. Hermione's secretary, um, Fleur's treasurer, Victor, sergeant of arms. And as a surprise, everybody voted for Ron to be vice president. Well, almost everybody. Except Harry and Ron. Mm-hmm. Ron had suggested Ginny, but she turned it down flat. What are you singing? I got to beat it in my head. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I should be vice president. That's a beta. Okay, I'm sorry. Carry on. Okay. Alrighty. So Harry drops downstairs and finds Sirius Remus and Grandpa Albus. And... Dudley's still shaving. Dudley's not there yet because yeah. she's got to shave. Mm-hmm. Uh, which apparently he only really has to do once a week, but he still does it every day anyway. <laughs> because it makes him feel very much more adult. Mm-hmm. And they are on their way to uh, basically Wizard, Wizard World. World. <laughs> Which is like Wally Worlds. <laughs> Sorry, folks. We're closed for two weeks to clean and repair America's favorite family fun park. Sorry. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Clark, what are you doing? We watch his program. His toys, we go to his movies. He owes us. Doesn't he owe us? Clark? Yeah, that's what the... I'm like, I'm, I'm reading this and like, really? Wizard World? I'm like, Holy World! I've been to I don't know what that is, so there you go. Um, it's from... It's National Lampoon's Vacation. National Lampoon's Vacation, yeah. Which ended up to be Magic Mountain, which was where I, I lived in the town that had Magic Mountain in it at that point. It was the it was our Magic Mountain that they filmed it at. Okay. So <laughs> it's you know it's kind of like Disneyland or or something like that. It's a theme park with roller coasters and and things like that. And you know it's it doesn't surprise me that the Wizarding World would have something like this, but it's not something that you think of the Wizarding World actually having. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see it happen. For some reason, that was just something. No, because you know what? The whole world, the magical world, does weird, weird things anyhow. You would go to St. Mungo's if you want something weird. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it. I mean, people blowing up with birds and other weird stuff and tongue toffee. It's, you know what? You would just go to uh, Weasley's Wizard Weasley's. <laughs> that would be like, that would be like Wizard World. Right. Well, and so Dudley gets to go to a place where very few muggles ever get to go. So he's one happy dude because he's getting to do this. And then we don't find out much about it, but the next scene is them at Hogwarts completely knackered because they've had an exhausting day. And they're talking about, you know, riding on uh, Thestrals and the spark shooting gallery. And apparently they've each won some sort of animal. Let's see, Dudley's got an animated plush griffin, and Harry's got a plush phoenix that he thought would be a great present for Ginny. Ginny. Yeah, because they have a rock-tossing game, too, so mm-hmm. Dudley could play that, even though he couldn't shoot sparks at things. And, right. Yeah. And so okay. Snape comes in for supper at All Hogwarts, because right. they've, they've head off, they've stopped off at Hogwarts for to wind up their day, because mm-hmm. Dudley doesn't get to go there very often, either. Yes, Trisha. Just because just because Snape ha- has a big nose doesn't mean he sniffs the air all the time to test it. <laughs> True. Well, I thought it was a harmful. Come on. Yeah. It could be to do with being a potion master too, though. You have to be aware of when things are smelling off, otherwise it might explode. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but, you know, it's like he sniffs. It, it was almost like he was sniffing to make sure that Dudley didn't smell like a muggle or something like that. It, it was a weird little... Yeah, it I was don't, I'm not sure where that is. I may have skipped over it. Oh, I, I think... Young Dursley. Dudley nodded. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, sir. Dudley Dursley. Snake sniffed the air as, it, as it's testing it, deciding if it was harmful in any way. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think he was just being happy, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, and they're talking about the Thestrals and, you know, Dudley says, can't we, since How we much fun it was to ride them. We couldn't see them. It seemed like we were flying ourselves. And Snape said, trust me. While the creatures are themselves handsome beasts, you don't want to be able to see them. And Sirius agrees, although he says they're not, I don't think they're very handsome. And they talk about yeah. that it's not just... I think Harry can't, be, well, Harry Harry can't see them. He didn't see them, and, and they wondered why, because he was with Lily and James when they died. And Dumbledore explains it as, it's, he... As an infant, he all he knew was love, and when his parents died, he had no frame of reference to understand the death. Yeah. He didn't really lose. Yeah, he was too too young to know what dying was. Right. So. It has to be, you know, you have to be mature enough to understand it in order to see the Thestrals. Yeah, it's kind of an extrapolation of Joe's explanation for why didn't he see them going home at the end of book four? Because mm-hmm. he'd just seen Cedric die. And she said, well, he hadn't quite processed it yet. So then by the beginning of book five, you could see them. Right. Um, the real reason is probably it makes no sense to introduce a random creature at the end of a book. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it, it works. Because the author said so. Right. There you go. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, his dark mark goes off, and so he has to leave, and Sirius looks after him and is like, are we sure we trust him? And Dumbledore says, without a shadow of a doubt. And then we skip to dessert, and Harry is sharing the story of of Snape with the Weasley red hair. Yes. And some house elves arrive, and they need Harry to go with them. Winky is having a really bad time, and they need him. Albus has told them to take Harry to her. And so he goes in, and he finds out that she's dying. And really, the only way to save her is if he takes her on as one of his house elves. And he's not quite sure how to do it. Go ahead. This this whole thing. I mean, I understand Harry has a sa- uh, have a has a saving issue still, even in this in this book. But I mean, right now I'm having trouble where I'm going to keep Winky fit into the story. Yeah, I don't know where she's going to fit in yet because I haven't read ahead. Yeah, so, me neither. I'm not sure. Something that just occurred to me now is um, she could probably be of some help, um, kind of bringing creature into line. Once they encounter him, I don't think they have yet, have they? Not that I'm aware of. I don't know. Or if they might not even encounter him. But the thing, I mean, but uh, that, Sirius I mean, is right still now, alive, so he's yeah. the one that's going to be bringing creature into line. So yeah, but they don't really treat each other very well. Whereas um, Winky, being another house elf, could probably just you know mm-hmm. chide him about not um, not treating the master and mistresses properly sort of thing. I don't know whether that'll actually have anything to do with what happens to her or not, but it's just something that occurs no, to me. The thing is, I mean, she's going through so much stuff, right? I mean, she's 
took the time to write off, I mean, to let her, um, having Harry save Winky, it has, I mean, Winky has to be a, I mean, big part of something mm-hmm. like this. Why would you go through all this trouble if it's just one little thing? Right. So I'm hoping, because if not, it's really irritating me that I haven't been, <laughs> I had to read a whole thing. Well, hopefully she's going to have some great part later on. And what we find out is that he's going to have to put a drop of his blood into her mouth. And if she accepts him, then she will get better. But if she dies, she's going to take a part of his soul with her. And the house elves are, you know, they don't think he'll do it because they, they don't think he'll sacrifice part of himself for her. And when he does do it, and when he's polite to them about it, he's you know, winning over the house elves, just like he does basically in canon when he treats them as individuals and Mm -hmm. as beings, you know, almost as people. He treats them as he would treat anyone else. Right. And Mm -hmm. they're so not used to it. So, I mean, it's kind of the same thing here. And so he asks for a knife and he cuts his finger and he puts the drop of blood in and he kind of feels his soul being twisted or something. He doesn't quite know what it's called. And the Dommy, who's the house elf that he's talking to, says that she's going to be okay. Yeah. And he sort of makes up his own little um, binding ritual thing. Mm-hmm. He, he feels like he should say something mm-hmm. about, well, this is happening. But he doesn't know what to say, so he sort of makes it up. And they're all kind of surprised by what he says. He, right. He's just talking about, you know, we're bound in... We'll all care for you and protect you and let loyalty keep the bond strong. And uh, Yeah, loyalty uh, and love. He uses love, and I think that's probably part of it. Yeah. Love is the answer to everything. Mm-hmm. And I say, uh, not exactly the old formula, but it'll work. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then he calls Dobby and has Dobby take her home. And oh, he just collapses. a little tired. <laughs> Funk. Mm-hmm. And, and everything goes dark. Yep. Fade yep. to black. And everything goes dark. Why is everything going to dark? <laughs> and he wakes, and he wakes up, up in the headmaster's office and Dumbledore says, oh, hi, uh, by the way, we're going up to see Horace. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> don't forget, you know what? He didn't, get, he didn't give him any chocolate. He didn't give him any chocolate and he probably <clears throat> should have. That's true. Yeah, he needed chocolate. And, you know, I read to this part and I'm like, Wait a minute. Horace was working for them already. Why are they going to yeah, be Yeah, we already Horace? had him. This doesn't make mm-hmm. any yeah. sense. And, and then as we get further into the chapter, then it does make sense. But it yeah. was just well, like, I'm very confused here for a minute. Yeah, we don't, it makes no sense in this chapter. Because mm-hmm. the final scene of the chapter is um, Snape being accepted back as a Death Eater, despite having not shown up at the graveyard, as mm-hmm. he's apparently given convincing reasons, and he has to give an unbreakable vow to perform whatever task Voldemort asks of him. So right. that particular plot point still gets in there, unfortunately. unfortunately. Um, and then we shift on to Chapter 21, and that's where we realize either they did actually have this in mind the whole time, or somebody reviewed or something and said, wait a minute, it wasn't Slughorn already there, and they're like, oh right, uh, let's just work that in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't quite know, but... And, and I love with, the, uh, the chapter title, it? Slugging Back to Hogwarts. <clears throat> yeah. Nice. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. 
so yes, it starts with Harry asking the same question. Mm-hmm. Why are we here? He's not retiring already, is he? And apparently he's done his whole going into hiding thing because <gasps> you know who showed up. Yes. It's all dangerous now. It's it's scary. Oh. I can't be, you know, known to associate with Albus and Hogwarts. Then they'll come after me. Yeah, right. And Harry said, um, but wouldn't it be safer to, you know, be living in a castle with a bunch of other powerful wizards instead of, you know, on the run in the suburbs? Right. And he's like, oh. Well, first of hmm. all, they're, they're walking up the lane and all of a sudden, you know, the front doors and hanging off its hinges and they step in and the furniture's torn apart yeah. and there's holes and everything. And Dumbledore yeah, most says, of this is the same as yeah. in, uh, Do you notice anything odd at all? And Terry looks around and goes, that chair over there is in perfect condition. And yeah, so that's when we get slugged. I always miss the details. Oh. Yeah, I used my dragon's blood, and it's so expensive. Yeah, so he has to use muggle methods to get the blood off the walls, because, you know, he might still be able to use some of that. Uh-huh. Uh, no scourgifying. No, no scourgifying. And, I mean, I like, and I've seen it in fix where they, like, suck it into the wand or whatever. I just thought they sucked the part back into, into like, the little flask. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they suck it into the wand and then shoot it back into the flask or something like that. So, but once they finish cleaning up, he Slughorn looks at Dumbledore and is like, "I know why you're here, and I'm not going back. Teaching at Hogwarts is is dangerous, and I'm not going." And of course, Dumbledore says, "Okay, can I go flu Minerva?" Because in this story, Horace is in his own house, and he's not, you know, hiding out in the Muggle house. And he once again leaves Harry with Horace, which is the magic touch—no pun intended there. And Harry says what Scott said a minute ago. Gee, if a 15-year-old boy can see through your disguise here, the Death Eaters are going to figure this out pretty quick. So wouldn't it be smarter to be at Hogwarts behind the walls with the most powerful wizards and uh, Dumbledore, who Voldemort is afraid of? And Horace is like, hmm, you may have a point here. Yep. <laughs> so. And. Albus comes back out and says, well, sorry for wasting your time. We'll just be going. Come along, Harry. And says, I'll do it. Sorry, what was that? Didn't quite hear you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, do it. I'll be there. And he didn't, I don't even think he asked for a race. No. So. I don't think he does. And Harry calls, calls Albus Grandpa Albus, and a questioning look comes into Slughorn's eyes, and Dumbledore kind of shakes his head at him, and so... Uh, Slughorn just goes, okay, whatever. And he says, you know, Dumbledore says, I'll see you tomorrow at the castle. Bye. 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 And then we're on the train. And And most of the Gryffindors come in to see the quartet in their compartment. And um, some of their other friends show up as well. But Draco doesn't. And it's weird. Right. And Harry's like, this, this, this is weird. Uh, Malfoy has not shown up to taunt me and be a prick. Uh, I don't. <laughs> yeah. So he's getting worried. Maybe he's planning something really bad. <laughs> yeah. And, there, you know, Ron's worried about Quidditch. And, of course, Hermione's like, why are you nervous about that? It's just a game. You should be worried about your owls and all their other ones. 
are just like, yeah, Hermione, you're silly. <laughs> but anyway, we get into the castle and they get to the Great Hall and Slughorn's there and he's talking with Snape, who seems to be in a really good mood. And I was like, why is Snape so happy? Must be because he and Slughorn are good friends and he's happy to have Slughorn back. Yeah, mm-hmm. not so much there, but all right. And they talk a little bit about how they're going to work out the their order and everything. But then Dumbledore has his announcements. Mm-hmm. Um, forbidden Forest is still forbidden. Um, the contraband list is still on Filch's door. And we have our welcoming back our two professors. Professor Slughorn is now teaching all the potions classes, and Professor Snape is going to teach defense. Mm-hmm. And the Muggle studies professor oh, hasn't gone. He'll be arriving yeah. at the end of the week. Yeah, the WEC. The, the typos in here are really fun on the text reader. I, I do have to say that. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of times where there's a quiz that just skips a word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, I've written things like that, too, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Poor Harry. My least favorite teacher in my favorite class. And Hermione's like, well, at least he can't say you don't have aptitude in that subject. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Deadly squat. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are those muggle fighting moves? <laughs> no, muggle <laughs> nope. swag. He's just not gonna teach us anything. Mm-hmm. Come on, come on, Ron. We should get up. We should get the first years to the tower. Hey, Munchkin, over here. <laughs> <laughs> Ron, shame on you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the next day they are going out for the picnic, and they find Malfoy at the front door. Yep. And he's all. And he looks. Yeah, yeah, he's beat up. He's muddied. He's everything. And Harry, like you said, biting the bullet. Malfoy, are you okay? No, Potter, I'm not okay. And he passes out. Fade to black. Another fade to black. We're doing a lot of fade to backs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Malfoy looks like he's been, you know, coming to Hogwarts cross country or something. (laughs) He was running the marathon. Oh, well, maybe it was a mud race. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> So, chapter 22, Revelations and Conflicts. So, lots of stuff going on. Yep, lots of things going on in this chapter. And we start with Harry carrying Draco into the hospital. And I'm glad that he, you know, realizes how tired he is once he puts him down. Because lugging Draco, who's probably a little taller than Harry, and I don't quite know where the hospital wing is. But you know it's not close to the front door, so he's gone up several flights of stairs. And I don't get the impression that he's doing the fireman carry. So, yeah, he would be exhausted from hauling Draco this far. A grown man would have trouble hauling Draco this far. That Harry did it. You know, adrenaline is a great thing, and I'm going to go with the fact that adrenaline's what did it for him on this. And I like the fact that as soon as he puts him down, he realizes how exhausted he is, and he kind of collapses to it. Yeah. Because, yeah. And, and Hermione has gone to get Professor Snape, and he comes back, and uh, he wants to know, you didn't try and do any healing spells yourself. Is this exactly how you found him? And he says, no, I didn't do anything except check to see if he had broken bones, and then I carried him here. Mm-hmm. And I would have brought him on a stretcher, but we haven't worked that out in Transfiguration yet, so I have to carry him. And, and yeah, Snape kind of gives him a backwards compliment. Good idea, but there wouldn't be any. 
And they're like looking at him yeah. going, what do you mean? How do you know that there wouldn't be any? Because he knows what's going on. Uh-huh. Yeah. The Cruciatus curse does not break bones. No, it doesn't. Yeah. And I always picture the Cur- Cruciatus curse, whatever we do, is just like put every single nerve ending like on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a nerve stimulation. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think they say that, um, if I'm not mixing up my fix, they mention that again later in this one. Um, somebody's teaching Harry a numbing spell, and it, it, it's basically the opposite of the Cruciatus curse. It's um, deadening nerves instead of exciting them. Yeah. It just sounds so awful. Yeah. And so Snape and... Snape wants to talk to Dumbledore about what's happened, and he says, Sure, but I think we should bring the order, the leader of the Order of the Golden Light as well. Um, Snape says, What's that? Oh, it's an allied group. It's focused on research and applied theory. Mm-hmm. Coming, Harry? <sighs> why would he be there? <laughs> well, he's the leader, of course. <laughs> Snape's like, <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's all I need. Yeah. And of course, mm-hmm. here we go. This is Ryan's. You know, 15 minutes later, 15 minutes and a funny password later, Harry finds himself in Dumbledore's office. So, of course, they had to traipse all the way through. You know, I, I imagine the, the hospital wings like on the fourth floor, but you have to go all the way back down to the entrance hall and go up a different staircase to get to Dumbledore's office. And that's why it takes them 15 long minutes to actually get there. And I like later on in this story, in, in these chapters that we're reading right now, where uh, Ginny and Harry go find Dumbledore, and Ginny's like, so, Grandpa, or so, Professor, is the uh, secret passage on the second floor today? <laughs> and I was like, no, yeah. I thought it'd be For nice sure. to have it on the fourth floor. But, you know, it, I love that they're making fun of this, because it always takes forever to get to Dumbledore's office. So, mm-hmm. there we go. Well, he could have started some of his explanation while they were on the way. Mm-hmm. He is, he's just finishing it 15 minutes later. Yeah. So. And Snape says he made excellent choices in his officers, except for Mr. Weasley. Uh-huh. And then um, <laughs> Harry says, oh, you wait. He's, you'll see what how good Ron is at tactics. Mm-hmm. Says, oh, well, whatever. Um, I have noticed you're not as arrogant and grandstanding as I thought you were. And uh, no matter how much people tell you you're like your father, you should know you're actually more like your mother. Right. Um, you do your mother proud. Yeah. And Dumbledore says, yeah, and your father, too. You know, he's more than Severus thinks he is. But <laughs> And so he wants Snape to tell Harry why he thinks Draco's in the hospital wing. And it finds we find out that uh, Voldemort made him take the unbreakable oath. And Harry wants to know, does that mean that you are incapable of breaking it? Or if you do break it, there's consequences. And we find out that if you break it, you die. That counts as consequences. Mm-hmm. And apparently, he's been sworn to kill Dumbledore before the end of the year. Right. And Harry says, well, that, that, you can't do that. That, you know, that's horrible. terrible. And, mm-hmm. and um, Dumbledore says, well, given that the oath has happened, he figures it's more important for a snake to keep going than him. Mm-hmm. There's not all that much he can offer now. Um, he's not the one in the prophecy and all of that. So. Right. And as long as he can pass on all of his knowledge to Harry, 
then it doesn't matter. He's ready to go on to his next great adventure. Yeah. So. And Harry kind of has to reluctantly admit he has a point, and Snape says, yeah, I've tried to talk him out of it too, but it hasn't worked, so. Mm -hmm. And then we, well, so tell me about Malfoy, and, you know, how is Malfoy raised? Well, he's raised to be a junior death eater, right, and he's brought up believing that, you know, the pure blood. Pure bloods are better, more powerful, and just better people in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything, everyone else are the, you know, dirt grubbing peasants, basically. Right. And he thought um, all they'd have to do is, you know, go around, kill some muggles, and have a few battles where nothing much happens except they win, and um, then they have a life of privilege for as long as he wants. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Snape took him into a pensive and showed him a Death Eater raid and the raping and torture and killing and just nothing actually achieved by it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and there was vomit. Doing so. mm-hmm. Vomit! Yes, yes, there's vomit. Vomit. I like that. Or as Nick says, Mr. Malfoy became quite physically ill. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there was vomit. Yeah, I think it had something to do with recognizing his own father, then in his early 20s, performing horrific acts upon a child of only 14. And yeah, I can see that as like being very eye-opening for Draco, and him going, okay, maybe this isn't what I want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Harry figures it out. He doesn't want to get messy. No. You know, Draco doesn't like to be messy. Mm-hmm. He, if he could like stay back he and get his hands order dirty. people... He'd be cool with it as long as he didn't have to get his hands messy, right? Mm-hmm. And this was very messy, and it was just too much for him. Yeah. So, and he confronts his father, which, I mean, he really does have balls, for lack of a better yeah. way of saying it. I mean, I wouldn't confront Lucius. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. So, kudos to Draco for that, even if it did earn him the Crucius. Yeah, and he basically ran away and made it to Hogwarts, mm-hmm. and they don't even know how he got there, really. And Harry realizes that even though Draco's sort of changed sides, or at least not on the side he was on before, um, he can't be a spy the same way, because they know it's, it's obvious that he's not mm-hmm. with them anymore. So, Yeah, so he's got to make a choice. He's going to fight on our side. Or he's going to get the hell out of the way. And then we we go for a quiet Sunday, and they've decided that they're not going to take it easy on Slytherin, on Draco, because he would not want that, and they're just going to have to see what happens. Mm-hmm. And, and apparently Harry has been signed up for Muggle Studies without noticing, because mm-hmm. he's never taken it before, but his first class, and... Oh, hmm. I love the Apparently people everybody's got it. Yep. Yeah. And then we have the great Slytherin divide because Draco comes in and he walks to the his table and he sits down, you know, in an empty space because um is it Not is sitting in his usual spot. Yeah, not in his in usual between spot. Crab and Doyle. And here we have this balance of power. And, you know, almost everybody else at the table stands, grabs their trays, which I think is funny because I don't think of the Great Hall as being like a cafeteria. 
Yeah. yeah. Grab yeah. the plates. I can see. Grab the trays. That kind of threw me a bit. And kind of backs up and watches this battle of wills. And it, you know, slithers yeah. and divides. Draco's sitting on one end and Theo is sitting on the other end. They're sort of staring at each other. And Crab and Goyle and Pansy Parkinson are just sitting there and everyone else kind of leaves. And eventually... Blaze Savini uh, steps back in and sits beside Draco, mm-hmm. and then there's the split. Yep. And I find it interesting that uh, even Crab and Goyle split up. Right. Yeah. Crab and Millicent sit back down next to Knot, but Goyle and Pansy move over next to Malfoy. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And of course, Ron's I mean- stuffing his face, and he's like, what do you think that was all about? And Harry says, the beginning of one of the most important battles of this war. Pass the eggs, would you please? Yeah. So what were you going to say, Trisha? I just forgot. Oh, it's like Twiddledee and Twiddledon just split up, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Crap. Yeah, and they notice that in the next, in the class, too. Everybody's coming into Muggle Studies, mm-hmm. and um, it's... And it's all the three houses who usually take Muggle Studies, mm-hmm. and there's a few empty seats. And then Malfoy, Pansy, and Goyle walk in as well. And uh, Pansy is, of course, clinging on to Draco as um, per her usual when she gets a chance. Mm-hmm. And Goyle is just sort of standing there uh, looking around because he's never gone anywhere without Crab. Right. He's looking <laughs> lost and alone. the past five years. Mm-hmm. And all I can think of is Goyle rules. <laughs> yeah, he's not that confident this one. No, he's not. And I like this. Officially, all four houses took this class, but no one from Slytherin had been in this class in nearly a century. So having these three stroll in is a pretty big thing. Mm-hmm. And then we get the classroom door bursting open, and a heavy set man with a walrus-like mustache barges in, and he's talking about some stupid poltergeist. Good for nothing spoop messing with mere children, I swear he should be Oh class alone. It is Vernon. <laughs> it's Uncle Vernon. Which Okay, I did not see this coming in. I'm just kinda of like sitting there going, Really? Really? No. Uh, when I knew it was coming when they said that the they had a new Muggle Studies teacher. I was like, Okay, this is where this is what Remus has figured out for Vernon. Because he's been telling Vernon all along he's got a job for him. He's been stringing him on. So finally he gets to go and do this job. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how they managed to get him to Hogwarts, but um, I guess they've brought Dudley to Hogwarts before, so they obviously have a way around the muggle repelling charms and things mm-hmm. if necessary. And I think that if you... I, mean, I suppose they could apparate him easy enough, and I'm wondering if you go with them, if you could take them in the flu. Maybe. I don't think yeah. you could send them in the flu by themselves, but if a wizard were to open the flu and, like, take them by the hand or whatever and step through with them, I think that would work. I mean, he's able yeah. to talk to the flu in this one. I mean, yeah. I mean, didn't we have a thing that we wanted to see the muggles burning in the fire? <laughs> was there a conversation on, another pod- on one of the podcasts about the muggles going into the fire and burning? <laughs> I don't remember that. I remember reading something somewhere, but I can't remember if it was this one. 
But it might have been because it was, it, I think it was Vernon who wanted to use the flu. Yeah, and he, he had, had to get, to had to get a wizard to put the power. Yeah, yeah, he had to have Harry put the powder in so right. he could then and that use it. Once it was, yeah, once it was uh, activated by wizard, then he could use it. So, yeah, that's probably something okay. that they did. Probably had Remus or Sirius go over and have opened his flu for him and he could step through himself. Yeah, and they're going to stay here, so once they get him here, they're here. Yeah. So, Or they could have been on the train and just not told anybody. <laughs> That's true. They could have put a repelling charm on it. You know, maybe uh, Arthur lent them the car. Yeah, you never sure. know. They could have drove. Oh, you know what? They could have drove. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, just about anything's possible. But I like this. He's a great teacher, and he... He doesn't pick on the kids that raise their hands. He draws out the ones that don't raise their hands. And if they're just timid, he gets it the right. He draws the right answer out of them. And if they're <clears throat> Slytherin, although he doesn't quite say that, or think that they know more than they do, then he proves them wrong. Mm-hmm. And I could see that happening with some of the Ravenclaws too. Mm-hmm. They decide they've done all their research on Muggles and they know it all, and uh, actually they don't really. <laughs> Right. And as they leave the class, Ron's like, Cor, why is it your uncles are the best teachers ever? And Harry's like, well, you know, Sirius and Remus were our aurors, and, um, well, Vernon is a muggle. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he'd probably be pretty good at muggle studies. Duh. Mm-hmm. And he has also lived with the Wizarding World for, um, oh, 15, 15, 17 years. years. Yeah. So, um, so he does, he knows how they think about things as well. Cause I don't think it would quite work to just, uh, hire any random muggle. No. Um, they wouldn't know how to bring anything across the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had to have been somebody that was familiar with the magic. Yeah. I agree with that. And they make a decision to basically let bygones be bygones with Malfoy. If he doesn't start anything with them, they're not going to start anything with him. They're just going to. Kind of wait and see what happens. Amateurs. Yeah. Woo-hoo, and then we have a scene with Petunia in the staff room. Yes. And Madame Hooch comes in, and they introduce each other. And uh, Madame Hooch wants to share the gossip about, uh, you know, Albus and Minerva are going to get together any day now, and then they'll be moving into the married quarters. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Professor Vector says, that rover's been going around for 40 years. Come on. <laughs> Well, she did say they was the longest-running star-crossed couple in school. It's true, but, yeah, probably not. Not going to happen, yeah. Because he's gay. Oh, sorry. And he was one of her teachers, so that'd be a little... I mean, they've had a number of years to get used to each other, so it wouldn't be nearly as awkward now, but still. (laughs) You would think after 40-some years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, too, that she's gay. It's a secret. Don't tell anybody. Nobody's been bringing out the scarf of sexual preference lately. No, apparently not. We need the scarf. We need scarfy. Poor scarfy. <laughs> what did you just say? Gays the 4th of July. <laughs> and so then we have a bit of a discussion about um, what's going on with Slytherin once uh, Snape comes in as well. And he says, you know, the the three who actually went to Muggle studies, he thinks are the best hope for the house. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is the first time in years they haven't been being a homogenous group, a monolith, 
a good start. <laughs> yeah. And he's hoping that the, the chisel doesn't actually make something worthwhile out of them instead of just breaking them into pieces. Mm-hmm. And we move on to Chapter 23, Friends and Enemies. Dun, dun, dun. It was a quiet day in Hogwarts Library. <laughs> and Harry's reading his book. I love it. And Ron's and Ron is sleeping. sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> he's worked out how to fall asleep while looking like he's studying. And you know what? This is totally a Ron thing to do. I, yep. you know, he's practiced this in, in uh, History of Magic, and, he, and he's figured it out. Now he can do it just about anywhere. He wouldn't try it in, in uh, Transfiguration or Potions class, probably, but most of the other ones are fair game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Hermione and Ginny aren't there because um, they're in class, mm-hmm. and the boys have a break period. And they're not really sure why they're in the library. <laughs> no. But there they are. And here comes and Draco Malfoy. Draco. Draco Malfoy. Someone say Draco Malfoy. And he's, you know, he walks over and he's got the sneer in place. And Harry kind of taps Ron under the table and, you know, wake up. And he kind of straightens and Draco starts it off. Not you said, I don't like you. Yeah, I don't like you. I don't, I don't like you. Damn bit. <laughs> and Harry's like, yeah, well, but, I don't like you either. But he's found out what actual hatred is, and he decides he doesn't really hate him either. Mm-hmm. He just, um, he thinks that maybe some of the things he's been raised to believe aren't entirely founded. Um, but he still doesn't like the Weasleys, and he doesn't like Harry, and he doesn't like Hermione. Right. Because that's personal. Um, he says, you know, um, I can admit that Granger is admirably powerful and versatile, and her blood doesn't change that, but she's also an insufferably bossy know-it-all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Who would be best served as acting as a dominatrix in a sex parlor? <laughs> that, is, that is hysterical. Oh, dear. Ugh. Uh, I don't think I want fan art of that, actually. You, know, <laughs> so you never know. I can see I'm sure some is out there, actually. Bella out there with a whip a lot easier than I can see Hermione out there with a whip. <laughs> Although, mm-hmm. I, I may have a picture here. Let me let me go look. Well, y'all, y'all talk amongst yourselves here while I go see this. This is from last year. She has year. power, but... Uh, but not money or breeding. And Ron says, but didn't you just say you realize blood doesn't matter so much anymore? And Victor says, breeding is a lot more than blood. <laughs> it's yeah. how to, it's how you comport yourself, knowing your place, how to, it's etiquette, basically. And yeah. how exactly. to act properly. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how I, he doesn't that's think he's a different person. Oh no, they would understand. Here we go. Here is Hormione. Oh, Hormione. Okay, that's awesome, man. Hormione. Is this it? This is the right chat. Okay, here we go. Yeah, let's put it in a different chat and see how far that goes. This one doesn't work. This one did. Yes, in her little Daisy Dukes. I love it. Oh, yeah, I remember when that came out before. It's not really a huge thing. No, it's it's not. It's it's not her with her leather whip and 
and stuff. She's just in her shorts and texting, so it's not as bad as it sounds. It's Hermione when she's off uh, on the beach in France or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. So, oh, right. we we won't we won't go searching then, for uh, Hermione with her little leather whip because yeah, that just freaks us out. No. Uh, and uh, Harry says, "So, uh, are you going to draw your wand now or in a little bit? People have noticed you're standing here talking to me, and they're starting to get freaked out." <laughs> <laughs> And Draco's like, in a minute, I'll pull it in a minute, but I still have a few more things to say to you. Yeah. There are two cats in Slytherin, and not if not win, basically nothing will have changed, mm-hmm. and the entire house will go in back Voldemort. If I win, some of them might, but not the entire house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. says, okay, I guess that's a useful warning. Thanks. And he says, all right. And by the way, we've all... Rick to <laughs> Well, you know, we had to get it, get it in there anyhow. Oh, he leaves them with a the tickling charm. That's not too bad. Mm-hmm. We have dinner, and it's relatively quiet. And Uncle Vernon passes by the Gryffindor table and says, uh, I'd like to see you and your friends after dinner, Harry. And, you know, he says, okay, Professor, is this a detention? And Vernon says, no, no, we just have some friends coming to visit. We thought you might might be interested in seeing them, too. So they eat quickly. Yeah. Yes, Ginny has to translate uh, Ron with food in mouth to speak for him a couple of times. Um, you know, don't eat too quickly. You still have to wait for Vernon to be done. So mm-hmm. mm. so he gets to have some blackcurrant pastry, which sounds good. It does, and he thinks it's I don't it's think I've good. ever had mm-hmm. blackcurrant Oh, blackcurrant's really good. Yeah, we have blackcurrants. We've got three bushes of blackcurrants growing, and they're just full of, they're just starting to bury up. And Uh it's just white currants. So we might have blackcurrants when you get here, Scott. Maybe. And I've I've officially renewed my passport now, so it should, and they should have it back to me in five weeks at the latest, so the end of May. So. I'll be in good time. Yay! I went, I went over there uh, at work today because, of course, the the Service Canada outlets and things are only open at the same time that I'm at work. Mm-hmm. I think they're from 8.15 to 4.25 or something, and I work from 8.30 to 5. Of course. Uh, yeah, that's a, yeah. So I went over about, yeah, about 10 to 1, and, you know, I stopped in to tell our creative director. I was going over to do that and I'd be back in a few minutes. And Okay, fine. And I thought it was going to be really good because there were maybe two people in line when I got there. And uh, so I went up, got up to the desk and handed my form in and they said, okay. And the next thing was I had to go over there and sit down and wait for one of the agents to uh, call me and go over stuff. I guess you can't just hand it in at the front desk. Uh, so then my few minutes became basically an hour. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you had a book. I did not. It was very sad. I didn't have a book or my phone or anything. Oh, that would be sad. I'd have gone stir crazy. I sat there and watched their silent rotating advertisements and uh, almost fell asleep a few times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, not fun. Not fun at all. But you got it done, so that's cool. And had a long mm-hmm. lunch break. 
Yes, I guess so. <laughs> I'm going on my lunch break. I'll be back in a few hours. <laughs> Fortunately, there wasn't too much happening with today. So. No, that's good. Everything that was supposed to start today, we dealt with on Friday, and most of the stuff to come up so far is to start next Monday. So. We're way off course. Anyhow, um, dinner finishes up, mm-hmm. and they go off to the Dursley's Borders, and so do Cho and Parvati, apparently. They've also been invited, and... Harry revises who he thinks is going to be there. Yes. The the age shifts down by about 20 years. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they double a number. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it's Cedric, Victor, Fleur, and Gabrielle! Mm -hmm. Gabrielle! Yeah, yeah, that's it. And Sirius and Remus, because they can come, too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everybody shows up. Yeah, I love Sirius. Hiya kids went shaking. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> I don't see Sirius saying that. But. Better him than Remus. Mm-hmm. That's true. And Dumbledore says, apparently the other order is having a meeting. What other order? <laughs> well, this is the order, you know, we have the order of the Phoenix, well, they're the order of the Golden Light. So, Sirius And they let him know that Harry's the boss. Harry's the boss. Of course he is. And yeah, just right. embarrasses him. And mm-hmm. Harry's trying to go, but so Ron's vice president, and and mm-hmm. yeah. trying to figure out, you know, where where are you going to have the meeting? And like, we haven't figured that out yet. And Sirius says, "Well, you know, there's that room on the seventh floor. I learned about from the house elves. Filch had already swiped the map, so I couldn't add it." And Cedric's like, "Well, how big is it?" And he's like, "Well, it's as big as you need. All you have to do is walk past the opening three times and think about you want, and there it is." Wow! And, mm-hmm. you know, and I love the conversation about food because, well, are there any limits? Nothing inside the room can leave. You can't take the books with you and stuff like that. But the yeah. food, and if you eat it, I guess it's eaten and then it becomes you and it's not really the room anymore. I'm not quite sure how that works. <laughs> it's like, okay. I probably, I think it probably comes from the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, written or at least this has gone off canon track because we know that the room couldn't make food. But that's all right. Oh, do we? Yeah. I've forgotten that. In seventh year, that's why they mm-hmm. ended up going to uh, the other uh, oh, right. Dumbledore's. The yeah, the so. Dumbledore's made in the food. Yeah. I would, say the, mm-hmm. I would think the, the house elves would, be, would have been able to get any food. But that's just me. Mm-hmm. But if they had been ordered not to. Mm. Yeah, because the house elves do know about it, so they could have, but, yeah. yeah. I have a feeling it was a direct order. Mm-hmm. And so this is a and recruitment meeting. There's an inter- another interesting bit that they've added in this one that I haven't seen before is your, you can't have it make books that you haven't seen yourself. Um, so um, I've, I've seen it before where it could be, like, an entire library of stuff or... Okay any book that the Hogwarts Library already has or things like that. But right. in this case, you have to have at least looked it over, even if you haven't read it in detail, or the room can't make it. So it's basically pulling stuff out of your mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they go to dis- to deciding who they're going to recruit for this, because they're, that's what the meaning's for, is to figure out who they're going to recruit. And, Sirius is like, well, I hope you're going to include the twins, because they'll never forgive you if you don't. And we change scenes. And speaking of the twins. <laughs> <laughs> and they show up with two letters. 
There's one from Gringotts and one from Gratchet and Scab, attorneys at law. Yes. Which is fun. Um, apparently Harry has uh, improved on his loan in this story. Mm-hmm. He's invested. He's given them 10,000 galleons instead of just one. And so they can start building their shop right away. Right. And he's and they, a uh, secondary shareholder. Yes. The, the other 9,000 from the 1,000 that was the Triwizard winnings is a loan to be paid back over a period of 100 years. <laughs> yep. In the form of 100 gallons worth of wheezes or chocolate frogs a year. <laughs> well, if they can't keep him in $100 worth of wheezes, they're not trying hard enough. So I think they got a good deal out of this. Mm-hmm. So. And he gives them basically the same reasoning he uses in canon, that you really need somebody to be keeping people's spirits up. Mm-hmm. And we also, we skip over to finding the room of requirements, and Ron has had a great Quidditch game. It's been fine. He didn't need to be nervous at all. And uh, he's, yeah. Oh, I guess it was just tryouts. It was it wasn't just the game, tryouts, yeah. He's, he's officially Gryffindor's keeper now. Tricia, were you going to say something before? No. Okay. Did we wake you up? No, I went and got a drink. Okay. <laughs> I knew you'd gotten really quiet. I was just curious. So, yeah, Ron did really, really well, and they're excited for him. And Joe's excited, gives him a big old hug, and says, I'm good. I'm not a chaser because it'd be hard to try to throw goals after a friend. So, mm-hmm. He's like, Yeah, just wait. I'm coming after yeah, you guys. She's going to be a chaser. Mm-hmm. And Parvati wants to know, talks to Hermione, and says, you know, do you think we should ever pick up Quidditch just so we can actually talk with them about all this stuff? <laughs> well, and they decide probably not. Mm-hmm. Gabrielle wants to play like Harry. So you never know. So the recruits are coming, but it's just the main group for now, and Hermione's got her list of names and everything. And nobody seems to have a problem with those names. And Harry wants to expand their remit a little bit. He wants to make sure they know how to fight and do some other things as well, even though for now it's mostly the Order of the Phoenix that's going to be doing that. Right. Because he feels that by the time it gets, it really gets down to it, he's going to want some people to be there with him and it would really be helpful if they all know how to fight. Right. Except for Gabrielle. And she's like, but I want to do it. And Harry says, well, I need somebody that can kind of stand back and get the overview of things and tell people where to go. Yeah. You're, you're going to be our coordinator. Because she doesn't have any training or a wand because she's only eight or nine. So. Yeah. Man, yeah, she's Fleur nine does a lot of babysitting. Yeah, Fleur does a lot of babysitting. Her parents are, are, you know, famous and out doing things. I don't know. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, and so they've Did decided a lot of on international traveling. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yep. Maybe they write books. Who knows? <laughs> so they have their list of people they think they're going to ask to join for now. Um, most of the Quidditch team from Gryffindor and Dean, and but not Seamus. No. Nope. Justin, and Padma, and Luna, Hannah, and Susan, and several others from the three houses that they're looking at from right. fourth through seventh years. Not Cormac McLagan because too many people are annoyed by him mm-hmm. and Lavender just isn't serious enough to handle it right now. Right. Um, she's, she's not going to work out. 
She's just girl crazy. She's boy crazy, I mean. Yeah. Well, she could be girl crazy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what happened to Scott? Scott got <laughs> far away for a minute. He'll come back. <laughs> okay. There no, he is. Go on. <laughs> Hi. Okay, there you are. Scott wandered. Yeah. He came back. Don't go into the light. Don't go to the light. <laughs> <laughs> Come back to the dark side. <laughs> we have cookies. We have cookies. Yeah, we have cookies. <laughs> Make some cookies. Mike's hard lemonade. You got a box of butter that needs fixed up? I have a new block of butter that needs mixing up. What we tend to do in our family is we get those uh, bricks that you get that are, you know, wrapped in foil and they're a thing of butter. Mm-hmm. And we take mm-hmm. them and mix them with uh, either two-thirds or three-quarters of a cup of canola oil, depending on how warm it is, so the, we get the consistency right, and mix it up. So it's basically our own version of margarine, but it's better for you. Uh-huh. It's a little more spreadable, and it's two different kinds of fats, which is also um, good for you. Mm-hmm. And um, then you just keep it in a jar on the fridge. But because we need to mix it up and put it in a bowl, Anyway, generally, that is our excuse to make chocolate chip cookies because we just keep out a half a cup of what we've just mixed up and continue to mix other things into it. <laughs> I like the way your family thinks. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I'm still coming to food to eat. You have to. I learned something really interesting from Scott's family while they were here. They shared like all their food. So everybody ordered different things, and then we just shared. It was great fun. So, oh. So Doesn't everybody do that? Come and share. Uh, my family doesn't do that. and I, I mean, everyone's, we, you have bites. But Scott's family was more like, okay, you get a, you know, you get a quarter of this meal, and I'll take a quarter of your meal, and, and stuff like that. It was, it was fun. Oh. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it depends on the meal. We don't do that every time, but yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're eating at home, you're all eating the same thing, so you're not, like, sharing plates that way, but, you know, mm-hmm. we, we did a lot of in-and-out kind of stuff, so, or out-and-out yeah. oh. out stuff. Yeah, uh, that's what, I mean, sorry, that's how I've always, uh, like, if Christian and I go out for dinner or something like that, I'm like, okay, he gets a pasta and I get something else, and we try to get something that, that counterbalances each other, and then we eat off each other's plate. I do tolerate all the time, too. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's always yeah, weird for me if you go up somewhere and two of us get the same thing because then you can't share that. Now. Right. Yeah, you gotta right. got that one. <laughs> That's no but, fun. Yeah. Uh, I was. It sometimes happens anyway, but yeah. We went to Tillamook not too long ago, Scott, and everybody went and got ice cream, and it was when I had pneumonia so bad, and I couldn't have ice cream because I knew it would make me cough in the car on the way home, and I just didn't want to spend the entire trip back coughing, so. I had to pass oh, yeah. on the ice cream. I was very sad. Uh, As you cough now. I know. The doctor called today, and I'm supposed to go back for a chest x-ray this week to make sure that I no longer have pneumonia. Yeah, that's been mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I suppose is a good thing. Uh, Trisha, How long has it been? Uh, six weeks since the last chest x-ray. Shoot. And I still have a yes, bit of so? a cough. Have you given any more thought for coming leaky? <laughs> I can't afford it right now. I, I wish I could. I understand, um, but I had to give you. That's back okay. Back. I know. Believe me, I wish I could. I instead I had to pay for I had to pay for tutoring this summer. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. No fun. 
I know. It sucks being a responsible adult. It does. Oh, well. Is it coming, is it coming back up there next year? No, I, no they're going to be back in Florida, I think, I read. So. I'm pretty sure it'll be somewhere else anyway. So they'll they'll want to kind of rotate where they go, probably. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm just going to have to talk my friends and do it hood to coast and there just somehow talk them into that. You talk them into that, and I'll put you guys up. I I know I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try my darndest for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they just don't want they just don't want to spend 24 hours in a van either. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. And you got to plan way ahead because all the hotels at Seaside fill up real fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we're. Okay, let's get this done. Let's go to bed. We're at the meeting, and the new recruits are there, and Harry stands up and says, "Uh, thanks for coming. This is supposed to be a DADA study group, but the real reason here is slightly more important. Voldemort is back, and everybody goes, oh, you said the name. And I knew you said the name. Ginny calls him the Dark Lord. And yes, I said not dark. Yes. I'm not sure would be an English thing. I don't know if they have dork in England. Maybe they do, but it seems a little odd to me. So Harry says, basically, this is going to be a study group, but we're going to do a hands-on study group. and We're going to learn from the advanced book of the advanced training. The order training manual. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. And I know you guys think that that's going to be really hard, but I learned how to do the Patronus, so we can do this. Yeah. I can do it. You can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he says, and the very first thing we're going to learn is we're going to say Voldemort. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> he didn't even research it. In French, it means something like runs away from death. That's right. He's afraid. He's afraid of dying. He made it into his own name. Yeah. And, and he shows them the little thing with the floaty leather, letters and all of that. So they understand where it came from. Yep. So, all right, everybody say Voldemort. Like, a few of them say it. Neville and Padma try, but they, they get whoop out, and that's about it. It's squeak. Yeah. And, and so the twins start a chant in bed. <laughs> Voldemort, moldy shorts, got a case of moles and warts. <laughs> you got to love them. Yep. <laughs> so, and so they all start going through the chant. Mm-hmm. And okay. meanwhile, outside... Professor Snape is rushing down the corridor on the way to the Owlery. He's got to send a missive to his lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, he could lose tens of thousands of galleons. These people are all rich. I want to go teach at Hogwarts. They make much more <laughs> yeah. money than oh. I do. Mm. <laughs> well, you never know. Maybe Snape's been selling potions on the side. Yeah, maybe. Oh, that sounds like good. And he it's apparently just... got stocks and bonds, too. So mm-hmm. yeah. His spoils from being a Death Eater, I don't know. But yeah. He walks by the seventh floor corridor and he can hear something, this chant, and he's like, wait a minute, there's no rooms here, this is an outside wall. What the heck is going on? Yeah. The very walls of Hogwarts have begun making fun of the Dark Lord. Oh, poor Voldemort. (laughs) And chapter 24 is called Visions and Silence. And we're into the Gryffindor common room on a Friday evening. Harry and Ginny are just cuddling near the fire. Is they're gonna worry about homework Aww, later? Cute. <laughs> I 
I need to get a sound clip of that after we finish Richard so we can put that in <laughs> in the new intro. Aww, puke. Alrighty, that part. Yep. But so Aaron, she's been learning her favorite color and her the favorite day of the year and her favorite muggle music group. And Mr. Colt. Oh my god, this is so great. I don't think I've listened to, so I don't really know what that means, but there you go. You probably you probably have heard you probably listened to them and didn't realize it. Quite possible. They're an older. Yeah. Did what were did one of their songs I, I realized that in um, Police Academy it was like the Blue Oyster Bar or something like that. But didn't didn't they play one of their songs in Police Academy or something like that? I know I've heard them around in like a show. I haven't seen any of those either, so yeah. even if they did, it wouldn't help. I don't know. And he wants to know uh, when did she stop getting the visions of the other him? And she says it was. No, don't fear the Reaper. I recognize the name of that, but I don't know if I've actually heard the song or not. We'll have to play a clip in here. We could just let Trisha sing. I'm Which trying one? to figure out. I can't remember. I can't remember how it goes. <laughs> well, I'm, put, I'm putting it on. Okay. Trisha. Well, Jimmy says that uh, that she's last had a vision of him probably the day before she met him in her first year, and um, when she snuck into Ron's room and watched him sleep, or I guess the day that she, the day after he came and she met him. Right. Um, it's after the Quidditch World Cup. Yes, but that's not what she says here. That's why I think it's, a, it's one of those bits where the author has forgotten what she wrote before, apparently. Okay. <laughs> because, yeah, she says that it was the, her last vision was the night that he came to the borough in her first, before her first year. Um, but we know from reading this that she's had another one since. So, yeah, that's... Um, something a little bit off there. Well, she talks about seeing the visions when he goes away for the... when when the cup takes him out of the maze, but she doesn't actually have the vision there. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. But anyhow, she stopped having the visions, and she confesses that the last vision that she had was that it was the two of them, oldest Dumbledore married and surrounded by dozens dozens of great-grandkids. And Harry kind of goggles at her for a minute, blushes, and then says, well, since some of your visions can't come true, I guess it's up to us and, uh, well, our kids to make that one come true. And she protests, you're only 15 and I'm 14. And Not ready for that yet. Yeah. And he says, well, who else would you want to grow old with? And yeah, she talks about his saving people thing. Mm-hmm. And she says, she gets talking about it a little bit and the various things that he does. And then she says, I think it's part of why I love you. Yeah. And he's a bit stunned. And then she's a bit stunned because she just realized what she said. 
Oh, well, that was my outside voice. <laughs> like, say that out loud? Dang! And she's, you know, trying to roll off of him, and he says, well, I love you, too. Yeah. And so then they spend the rest of the evening just cuddling and snogging and, you know, ah, puke for Trisha. Staring into each other's yeah. eyes. And, yeah. uh, and it actually... Even when the twins and Ron show up. Mm-hmm. It actually takes two seventh-year boys to drag Harry to bed. <laughs> and Ginny floats up to bed without touching a single stair. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is where... I think it'd be fun if that actually happened. Yeah. Like, you could tell when all the girls started having crushes by the, they start floating through the corridors. Oh, yeah, she's got a new crush. <laughs> <laughs> I can kind of see it like my my version of this is sort of like cartoonish. And so there's like little wings out the side of their heads. And yeah, little, little stars. And that's how they, they are flying is these little wings out the side of their heads. <laughs> yes. Very bad. Fan art. We need fan art, people. Fan art. No. Do we ever get fan art? I don't think we ever get fan art. No, we don't. Every once in a while, on Point of View Weekly, we get fan art. Scott does something, or Erase if does something, but other than that, we, we don't get much. <sighs> so, a few days later, they kind of bring up the subject again, and Harry's wondering if they should ask Dumbledore about her visions, and she thinks mm, maybe that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. So, they go up to him before he leaves at the end of supper and uh, head off to... And this is where they say, he says, my door is always open to you. Uh, we'll be there in a jiffy. And Ginny says, so are we using the second floor entrance or the seventh floor entrance? <laughs> oh, actually, I felt like having it on the fourth floor today. <laughs> yeah, But earlier, they had to track 15 minutes to get to Dumbledore's office. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He didn't feel like having a closer door that day. They had to do it all the So, and of yeah. course, Fox is ready to burn. And in this story, he burns every few months. Mm-hmm. So he's, so Harry's obviously seen this before. Uh, Ginny's upset, wants to know what's wrong with poor Fox because he looks so terrible and she's all worried about him. And Dumbledore explains about the Phoenix dying he's and bursting. Lucky into, and unlucky. Into flames, yeah. Yeah. And now she's worried about what if he bursts into flames while Harry's petting him on his lap. Mm-hmm. And Harry says, no, he wouldn't have let me do this if he was that close. Right. So. And they talk about love, and Ginny wants to know if what Harry and, and Ginny have is like a soul bond. Yeah, with her vision. Yeah. But what what aggravates me is the whole idea of character one says, I love you so-and-so, and character two says, I love you too, and their super soulmate powers activate. And Stumbledore says, no, that's not the sign of a soul bond. And, you know, actually those aren't as rare as you think, even though what most people think of as a soul bond is only the most dramatic, blatant versions of it. Right. Because, really, it's any form of love that you have for another person is a bond for between souls and yeah it's the most powerful magic known and they kind of look at him like that's that's not quite like it is in my mom's books and i can imagine weasley's romance novels (laughs) yeah um, she reads 50 shades of gray (laughs) (laughs) The, the version that um Lockhart put out? Yes. <laughs> yeah. As long as it's not Fifty Shades of Grey back, we're okay. Yeah, that's uh, true. 
I don't want Fifty Shades of Grey back. That that's just wrong. Uh, Very wrong. I was reading somewhere or other. Um, one of the authors I read, I was looking at his live journal, and he said he'd just come up with the perfect uh, Lord of the Rings cross. It would be Fifty Shades of Gandalf the Grey. But. Uh, <laughs> I was talking to Christian's mom. She's an older lady and stuff like that. And somehow we started talking about reading books. And and somehow Christian brought up about Fifty Shades of Grey because the guy's name is Christian Grey. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, I go, yeah, me and my girlfriend's read it. And so all all my girlfriends call him Mr. Grey now. She's going to wonder what you two get up to now. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, what the hell? Earlier we were talking about Hermione with a whip, and now I see you with a whip, and this is very bad, very bad. I need to brain bleach now. I'm like, I'm talking to her, and I'm like, yeah, the damn thing is implausible. I don't know one can do that every single time. And I'm like, after I saying this, and I get off the phone with her, I'm like, oh, my God, what did I do? I don't well, remember. Is, is, has she read it? I think I might have put that out of my mind if she says she did or not. <laughs> oh, dear. But I'm like, oh, my God, me. Yeah, well. I'm like, I saw it to myself. I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I just said that. I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I go, I need to learn how to have a filter on my mouth. Well, just a little. <laughs> but then you wouldn't be nearly as much fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> insert mouth, insert foot into mouth and chew vigorously. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Mooney said. She doesn't want to read Fifty Shades of Grey back, but she'd read Fifty Shades of Scabbier. <laughs> that doesn't sound very good, though. It's not the same. Okay, we, we have to get back. Back yes. to Fox. Anyway. Fox um, is, is looking Dumbledore better. Dumbledore says because it's, it's, not, um, it's not like the novels, really, and wants to know if Jenny's ever heard of the Department of Mysteries. And Jenny says, isn't that the place where Tonks was and tripped over, uh, smashed a whole rack of prophecy recordings? And he's like, ah, yeah, that happened. Yeah. But, oh, well, fortunately, most of them were uh, replaceable. Except one. So That one's better off we know, destroyed. Yeah, so we know what happened to the prophecy orb, and we don't have to do the whole battle of the mm-hmm. ministry in this particular story. Right. Go Tonks. Yay, Tonks! Who knew Massive destruction of property was a good thing, but there you go. <laughs> well, and, you know, and that leaves me to think, okay, was it just Tonks being Tonks, or did they plan this? And, you know, it was their way of getting rid of it without it arising, you know, arousing suspicion, because Tonks would be the one to trip and, and mess it up, so that works. Yeah, I don't know. I thought maybe it was just when they were they were starting to set up their... Um, guard Roka or something, and then mm-hmm. it just messed up. But, um, anyway, he talks about the room that has love in it and gives the example of how Fox looks much better now that Harry's been there and has been petting him and such. And Harry says, yeah, he does look better, but it's because I've been, you know, putting his feathers back in place and he, he likes the attention. Right. And, uh, 
Dumbledore says. Dumbledore says, yeah. the affection. Yeah. And there are rare occurrences where two individuals have fallen into love at first sight and the very air became charged with the infinite positive possibilities. Mm-hmm. Nice phrasing, Dumbledore. Oh, my God. Uh, or as the Knuckles would say, sparks flew. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that um, people who grow to love each other over a long period of time don't love each other just as much. Like um, Vernon and Petunia and Mr. and Mrs. Weasley both have a soul bond because they love each other, and that's what that means. And Harry's still going, well, you know, it's it's not like the whole, you know, talking to each other in your mind thing. That, like, we hear about that with soul bond. Mm-hmm. And Dumbledore says, well... Think of it this way. Uh, if Ron and Hermione were here for this conversation, what would they say right now? And he says, well, um, Ron would be kind of annoyed that you just said Ginny and I have a soul bond because we love each other. And Hermione would start looking up soul bonds in the library. And he says, so, you, you can read their thoughts. And he says, uh, no, I just know them. Mm-hmm. And Dumbledore says, exactly. Right. That counts as a bond of love and the soul bond. So, you know. There are many kinds. Yeah. Such as the soul bond between a tired old man and the young boy, so full of love, that, or life, that calls him Gramps. And Ginny's like, oh, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah. Dumbledore says, actually, these are sweet. Have a Sherbert lemon. <laughs> yeah. And basically what he, he ends up saying is that the very first time that Ginny actually looked at Harry is when the vision stopped. Because always before that, she was hiding behind Molly or hiding under the table, and she was blushing and stammering and not really focusing on Harry because she was so embarrassed. And so now that she's done it, she's caused some sort of magical rift or whatever, and the visions have stopped. Yeah. And he has a theory that they are sort of from the original plans of fate Mm -hmm. before... Um, Vernon managed to pull himself out of his slump at the wedding. Right. No, he pulled his head out of his ass. Yeah, well, that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and then, I said it in a nice way. I said it in a worse way. <laughs> it works. It does work. And then Fox lets off this little sound that pretty much tells Harry that it's time for him to burn, and that yeah. means it's time for them to go. Yeah, so you should not be holding him close to your uh, flammable clothing. No. Yes. So, the, I mean, it gives a whole new meaning. Liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> yeah, and when you're wearing something like robes where that's like your whole body is covered, it'd be kind of tough to get that off while it's on fire. Yeah. Yeah. At least the version of them that I imagine where it's actually literally over the head rather than just flinging it off the shoulders. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yes, they head off. and uh, We move on to our first DADA class with Snape that we've heard about. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he starts off with, uh, you know, tell me the advantages of nonverbal spells. And, of course, Hermione's the first one with her hand up. And he's taken a leaf out of Vernon's book, and he's calling on people who don't have their hands up. And he calls on uh, Parkinson, who says, uh, you can say it faster than saying it out loud and he gets, you know, she gets 10 points and then he asks Longbottom and Longbottom who's you know, he's come a long way as Neville. And the enemy won't know what spell you're using until they see the beam from your wand. 
And so he gets five points. So, you know, Snape will never be fair, but at least he's... He got some points. Yeah, given points, which is good. And so they're going to pair up, and half of them will try to non-verbally shield, while the other half just cast regular spells at them. And um, <laughs> he goes through and gives gives them advice in somewhat of his uh, usual snarky manner, mm-hmm. even though he is being helpful. He tells Ron Not to stop lay an egg. <laughs> yep. I like, Miss Greengrass, you're supposed to be jinxing your own partner, not Mr. Goyle. And Miss Granger, switch with your partner. I do believe Miss Brown has turned enough odd colors for one day. <laughs> and Harry is apparently whispering rather than actually doing it non-verbally, so he gets called up to the front. Yes, we're going to teach them how to do it the right way. So he gets. So first, to shoot Harry a gets spell. to cast the spell at Snape. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know the whole class is going. <gasps> And of course, he goes with Expelliarmus. Expelliarmus! (laughs) It's the only one he knows. And of course, Snape non-verbally deflects it. Mm -hmm. And he says, good force, but if you're going to say a spell that long, say it quicker. You're taking it too long. And And he... (laughs) And Harry tries to get ready. And Snape says, Immobilus, and Harry doesn't quite manage to get a shield up. He does put up some sort of screen, but all it does is change the Immobilus spell into a spell that removes his mouth. <laughs> I love Snape. Potter, only you could turn an incoming Immobilus into a curse that erases your mouth. <laughs> Weasley, take Potter to the hospital wing. Just go. Go. Go back to work, the rest of you. That's it. <laughs> And that is where we are set to end for our podcast tonight. We've gone through our five chapters. Snip's actually doing fairly well as a teacher. He's a little bit uh, less uh, edgy than usual. Yeah. I guess he's a bit calmer in this version, so, you know, it helps. And he's always wanted to teach this class. Yeah, he's got his heart's desire, and, you know, I think that being in the coma sort of woke him up a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you like that? Yeah, I'm glad. And he's, you know, decided he's gonna turn over a new leaf and and try. So that's cool. Yeah. I, I like this. I love the burden to the Muggle Studies teacher. I think that's so fun. Yeah. And no, I'm I'm liking the story better now. No, it's now it's becoming its own mm-hmm. kind of like story now. Right. Uh, like I, I said want before, Canon Burton to see away. this universe and have apoplexy or something. (laughs) (laughs) That would be fun. Guess what? You're working at the school with wizards all around you all day. And and enjoying it. (laughs) You think it's cool. Yeah. And I had this little brain fart about halfway through when I'm like, okay, Vernon and Petunia are there, but where the heck's Dudley? And I'm like, oh, wait, Spell Things is a stay-away school. I got it. Yeah, he's at school, too. Yeah. So... Yeah, I like it. I, I I'm really interested in knowing where where it's going to go. Uh, and I'm being really good. I'm sticking just reading the chapters for each one. I haven't read ahead yet, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really remember what happens after this point. It's, as I think I mentioned last time, the or when I originally read this, it was probably 2005 or six or something mm-hmm. of the sort. It was quite a few years ago, anyway. Um, 
Yeah, I guess it was published by then. It was published in August of '05, so it could have been that early. Yeah. It might have been like uh, 2007 or eight too, but anyway, a number of years ago. It and was so I don't really time. remember what happened. Yeah. I recognize some things as we pass to them. Like, um, I think I knew. Uh, I don't think I knew when we knew that Vernon was going to have a new job, but as I was coming through the chapters, I think I was kind of expecting Vernon to show up. Mm-hmm. And I remembered the bits about um, Dobby having way too much money. <laughs> I remember that. Um, I like that. I tried to spend 10%, but I just couldn't. I, I bought out the whole store, and it still wasn't 10%. <laughs> yeah. And if I had bought any more, it would have spoiled, and that would have been wasteful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, it was just about when Harry said, oh, just some cheese sandwiches, something simple. It's like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's going to be something really complicated. <laughs> yeah. It makes me want a cheese sandwich. Yeah, me too. Mom made dinner tonight, and it was lovage soup, and it was so thin. It was like eating water. It tasted good, but there was, like, no substance to it. So I had leftover spaghetti. Mm, that sounds good. I was mostly lazy and had pizza, but I got the um, the unbaked fresh-made one from the store mm-hmm. and brought that home, and then I cut up my own mushrooms that I already had and added those on. So. Semi-homemade pizza. Semi-homemade pizza works for me. Yep. I'm going to go over and have a piece of rhubarb pie. Mm, nice. That sounds good. <laughs> that was one of the things when we were playing a game on Sunday. What the first one was, the catchphrase one, was a little, she had a little um, plastic game thing that you had to pass around, and it would give you a word, and a word or a phrase, and you had to get the people on your team to guess that mm-hmm. without using to describe to them what they want. And I was trying to describe to these people what Ruberg was, and it, it just did not work. <laughs> no, I bet not. That would be tough. It's, uh, you often have it in pie. It, it's got stalks. Um, you chop it up. It's a sort of reddish color. Uh, nothing. <laughs> well, I probably would have got it from that. Yeah, I would have, too. It looks like kind of like celery in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, I was a little bit um, more prepared there than I was on Sunday, so <laughs> I said... I said all of those things, but there was a little more floundering in between. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Well, join us next time, and we will continue on and find out what's going to happen. It looks like we're going to start with Christmas next time. Yay! Yeah. Presents. <laughs> One, as in um, someone being there, not as in the boxed and wrapped things. So that will be interesting. Um, oh. And we go through that. Through Christmas presents, green eyes, noble intentions, confession and confrontation, and job. Or possibly job. I don't know. If they start <laughs> quoting Bible or something. But I'm guessing it's job. <laughs> so we will hopefully see y'all then. Yeah. Uh, glad you tuned in to listen tonight, and I hope you're enjoying our coverage. And yeah, come back next week and we will move on and cover some more. We'll try Good night, to everybody. For you to yawning as we have poor Trisha. Yeah, we're keeping her up. <laughs> we are keeping her up. Yeah. I had a thing of Mike's heart lemonade, but now I'm tired. Uh huh. Oh, it's right. dangerous. Well, good night, everybody. Good night. Bye. Bye. 
So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.